this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hi, and welcome to Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson. We are here today recording at A Million Drops Learning Center with a special guest. Jess Medikeen, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Scott, for inviting me today. It's great to have you. Uh, we've known each other for over 10 years. Yes, we have. Yeah. Um, so I reached out to you. We reconnected through the Congress of Neighborhoods. The Congress of, of Neighborhood <laughs> Councils at City Hall. Um, I was so happy to see you there, by the way. It was really interesting because I like knew that you were on, you're on the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, yes, right? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, District 4 representative for Little, Little Armenia. Woo-woo! Oh, wow, cool. So what inspired you to run for neighborhood council? Um, it's always been something that I wanted to do, even when we were both taking classes at LACC way back when. I had a political science professor. Um, I don't remember her first name, but um, she was uh, Professor Armour, A-R-M-O-U-R, if I'm saying that correctly. And she was the president of her neighborhood council. Um, I think she lived um, somewhere out in the valley. Oh, really? And she used to talk about it. It was a women in politics class. And okay. that was at the point where I was still a psychology major. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I had to take a political science class because, you know, it's a requirement yeah. to graduate. But her class and, you know, Professor Meyer's class, so everybody that's been a LACC political science yeah. student has taken a class with him before. Um, they kind of just gave me this drive to, like, do things, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I wanted to be effectual you know like i wanted yeah. to make change um so i took that one class with her over a summer um but even way before then uh i wanted to be involved okay. and, you know we were really involved when we were at yes. LACC. <laughs> <laughs> we, we took a few classes together you know we were in the club uh, uh, club council and like student uh, yes. government and and we also know. did an internship together Yes, and we, we took did, labor yeah. organizing classes together. Remember yes, those? We did. Yes, All we, those we were trained. <laughs> we were trained a hard core at LA City College. If anybody's listening, and you were uh, American Federation of Teachers intern, shout out to you. I've met yeah. a few of you around the city, and. We're, we become powerhouse organizers, Yes, Jess. we have, yes. Like, Even, we're all spread around, but yeah. some of us are working at City Hall now. You know, some of us are, you know, on the East Coast now. Some of us are leading, um, you know, our uh, community organizers and national organizers for yeah. big unions. So that's a big yeah. deal. And some of us are homeless and living <laughs> living in Lincoln Heights at a shelter. And some of us are living <laughs> paycheck to paycheck. But you know yes. we're we're still making we're still making good work. We're still doing it. And some of us, this is uh, day two of 2020. Uh, full disclosure, when we're recording, and we have 60 listens as of this morning on one listening one major listening platform to nice. Real Good Stuff season one. So, um, yeah, that was just a self deprecating joke um i like to do that you know it <laughs> it's it's good if you can't laugh at yourself right and realize that like life has its ups and downs right and that's true when we met like i was in community college and 
I was certainly on a trajectory, and then I ended up in Portland, of all places. Why? I, I know. Went there. I was so sad when you moved. <laughs> Everyone was, and they were like, "Where did you go?" I'm like, "I gotta be close to my family." And then, oh, just kidding. That like didn't work out very well. My mom moved to Florida, and my dad died, and I was like, "Oh crap." Okay, well, I guess I'm in Oregon right now for a little bit. Um, but the stuff that I learned, right, and all of yes. the things that we learned about creating a culture around organizing and people ask me regularly how did you learn how to do this and it's like we spent so much time we met weekly right with the with the student interns right we had to do at least one um like action or something oh i think we did a lot more well we we did a lot more but we were required to do one (laughs) but we were like powerhouses and um we did that die-in remember that on the campus where we encouraged all the students to come and lay on the ground with us and then the student government to mourn their education to mourn their classes getting cut which Um, honestly brings me back to your first question so you know tangents wise right like how did i get involved of course well um the summer before I started uh, at LACC, I had signed up for classes. I had quit my job. It was okay. Like, you know, I had, I had quit my job. It was one of those, like, you know, I'm 18 and, um, you know, take this job and shove it kind of right. situations. Um, <laughs> An 18-year-old midlife crisis. Yes, basically. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going through at that time. I just, All I knew is I didn't want to work there anymore. So yeah. I quit that morning. That, after, that same, you know, bus ride home, I got off. And I walked straight to LACC, signed up for classes. Uh, three weeks later, I found out that all of my classes were canceled. So, you know, now I'm 18 and I don't have a job and I don't have school. So what was I going to do with my time? Yeah. So that's one of the main reasons why I found out about, you know, Associated Students Organization, which was, um, yeah. you know, the ASG now yeah. at LACC. and how I randomly bumped into Teresa, who was the one that uh, was oh, kind of running, yes. you know, the AFT yeah, yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I just bumped into her and I started talking to her and um, I don't know, something just clicked, mm-hmm. you know, and she was like, well, what, what do you want to do about it? You know, like I'm doing this and I'm looking for interns. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> that was my attitude. And I kind of still feel like I'm, I'm that sort of like, yes, woman at the mm-hmm. beginning of everything. Yeah. I was like, sign me up. Let me try it. If I don't like it, well, what's the worst that can happen? I can walk away, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah. <laughs> 12 something years later, 11 years here later, we are. here we are. You're in a neighborhood council. I'm looking at like, um, actually I'm, uh, I am involved with the, um, planning committee for the Congress of neighborhoods for 2020. Are you going to go to the meeting on Saturday? I'm planning on being there. I was at the last one. <laughs> Um, they had a little prelim meeting uh, before the new year. So yeah, I'm super excited. I, well, you know, I love that kind of thing and I love gathering people and I love just this idea of like meeting people where they're at and it doesn't always have to be a big group of people, but just that concept of like when people are moving through a space and taking advantage of that time to have like face to face, important conversations, powerful conversations and, um, I know that you and I have had, because we, we were just talking before this started. Uh, <laughs> we, one year, when we were attending LA City College, our little uh, group of five interns, uh, we registered over 500 voters, right? 500 community college first-time voters. First-time <laughs> voters. You hear that? We are powerhouse organizers. So if you're listening to this, um, don't cross us. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we will your fax machine no kidding yeah like it's 1998 we'll flood your fax machine jess (laughs) but actually 
I'm laughing about that, but um, I met with my caseworker this morning and she was actually going to fax something over that I filled out because I'm working on becoming like a peer advocate. And she's like, oh, I'm going to fax it over as soon as we're done. And I'm like, faxing? I'm like, people still fax? People still fax. People still fax. I remember (laughs) that was one of the last uh, trainings that we received you and it was like, I don't know, you know, it had some cheesy name like uh, strategies for difficult, uh, you know, like clients or something like that. And most businesses, they do depend on their fax machine, you know, whether yeah. they're doing business overseas or, you know, just getting documents from one office location to another. Yeah, that's... I thought people emailed that stuff now. They don't? You would think so. But email, you know, because of all the hacks and, you know, the cloud and all that stuff, people lose documents all the time or there's multiple copies of things. And if you only have a document with sensitive information and you upload it or you email it, if somebody's email gets hacked, now they have that information. So... <sighs> Wow! Yeah. I, I, actually I didn't work, think about that. Okay. I work with uh with kids, so yeah, um, okay. You know, sensitive information is everywhere, and yeah. it could be anything as simple as like a student ID or like okay. an address yeah. or even a full name. So yeah, we can't email any of that stuff. Oh really? Yeah. So what is it that you do? Because I asked you as a neighborhood council person, right? But you have a whole career now. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I work for a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, we provide, uh, you know, low income. Uh, uh, I like to call them high opportunity kids, not, you know, high risk yeah. um, kids with uh, safe and supportive uh, after school programs. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, I help oversee four middle schools and five high schools, um, although oh, wow. our, I know it's a, it's a lot of work, but it's I love it. <laughs> That's really cool, yeah. though. I bet you're amazing at it. Thank you. I, I, I like to say I, I mean, am. <laughs> let me just say, I've been following what you've been doing on social media, and it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's another thing that I do, actually. I, I do run um, our organization social media pages. Okay. Um, I do the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, um, mostly Instagram. I'm, okay. I love Instagram. Yeah. And, you know, then I have my own uh, my own social media stuff, too. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's a lot of hard work and you get to hear, you know, the kids' stories and, you know, Mm -hmm. just like, uh, you know, you know adults that are homeless or, you know, in in transition housing or supportive housing. We have a lot of students in those situations that are like, you know, the foster care system and, um, you know, some of our students are homeschooled, but we still have after school programs open for them at different schools. Oh, that's good. The inclusion part. Yes. And it's completely free. Um, just as long as, let's say, you know, if you're a student that's being homeschooled um, and there's a high school near you that has, like, our after-school program. Okay. If our grant stipulates that we could serve members from the community, mm-hmm. which most of our high schools um, have, as long as you're in the same grade, you can join our after-school program. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And then how – so I'm just curious. How does, like, a, if someone was, like, homeschooled, like, how would their family or how would they find out about um, the program? That's a good question. Um, I I think that they because we are under uh, the school district, okay. so we're there's there's a school district, and then there's um, Beyond the Bell, which oversees all of the after school programs okay. for the for the district, and then there's us. So we're kind of an agency. So we're contracted out. So okay. as long as we abide by what the district requires and what uh, Beyond the Bell requires, it's just a matter of advertising so we you okay. know, we, we put flyers around the schools um you know we have recruitment events okay. we go to community fairs and table um and yeah that's how people you know we also have social media like i said earlier okay. so cool yeah. no i'm just i'm curious because i have a, a podcast i recorded back in oregon one of the um one of the organizers and folks that i met back in oregon who was really involved in my hometown 
she was a big homeschool advocate and had homeschooled all of her kids and had purposefully made that choice. And I was just, I was really interested in the network that they had formed. And I mean, it's a town of like 6,000 people. Wow. And they'd formed this network of folks, like not just in that town, but in surrounding small rural communities on the Southern Oregon, Northern California coast. And they were doing that. They were like communicating and like helping like other parents that weren't sure how to, you know, because there's, there's a plethora of things in my hometown that even if they're not going to public school, they can still plug into yes. programs, right? Mm-hmm. And so helping the other parents that were homeschooling kind of figure out what those resources were and stuff. Yeah. So I was just um, always since we did that podcast back in like 2015, I'm just so curious. No, that's cool. Um, that's actually that one of the things that um, Anwar, who is uh, co-chair of the Youth and Education Committee for the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council, okay. um, with Faye, who's uh, the other co-chair, um, they've been kind of wanting to gather kind of like a list of community resources specifically okay. for parents and um, um, or guardians that have children in mm-hmm. schools in our neighborhood. Okay. We have a ton. And I mean, that's like maybe like 10 elementary schools within our boundaries, but we don't have middle schools and high schools. Yeah. In, in East Hollywood. So if you look at the boundaries, we have, we have a lot of elementary schools, but all of the middle schools and the high schools are either in like the Hollywood proper area or Los Feliz who has Marshall and, you know? That's weird. Yeah, so our kids, that. Yeah. so our kids go to elementary school in our okay. na- neighborhood, but then they have to go outside of our neighborhood boundaries for okay. middle school and for high school. Okay. So, um, if anybody is 16 or older and wants to get involved, um, yeah, we we do advocate for the students to have a voice. So, okay. although you know your middle school or your high school might be outside of the boundaries, if you live in East Hollywood, you still have a stake. Okay. And um, it's uh, it's a committee that we've kind of. Uh, restarted okay. in a way um our president araceli torres uh that was one of the goals for okay. this new board coming in um just you know restructuring and okay. restarting some committees that we feel are important yeah so that's one of the you know calls to action <laughs> for today that's very cool though because it's yeah it's so it's neighborhood councils are just so powerful and important and there's so many neighborhood councils doing so many innovative things in their neighborhoods Right, and it's really easy to look at City Hall or look at larger organizations, but yeah. it's like Los Angeles is very much a neighborhood city, right? And acknowledging that. And so what are the what exactly are the boundaries of the East Hollywood neighborhood? Do you know? Um I'm a little iffy on our southernmost, I think it's Melrose. Okay. And it goes up to Hoover. Um, it breaks a little bit um around Vermont and it encompasses Barnesville Park and it goes up North Hollywood to Western and then from Western down to the 101 freeway which okay. curves around back down to Melrose. Okay. So that's our that's within our boundaries. We're just we just fall right outside of your boundaries. I know. It's right? like I cross the street and I'm I know, there. right? <laughs> it's literally across Hollywood Boulevard. Like we're kitty corner across the street from East Hall. But I thought that was interesting because we are so close. Yes. Right? And um and just kind of acknowledging that. And um so this is your first year serving it's my with my first us? year, yes. Okay. Um I started campaigning uh well I signed up to you know, to run to yeah. be on on the ballot in January uh, okay. 2019, and our election was March 31st. Um, I was I, I ran opposed um, by this other young lady. Her name was Taylor, I believe. Okay. Um, she garnered 23 votes, and 90 I garnered 98 votes. So I'd like to say, you know, 98 people believe in me. <laughs> uh, I think a lot more people than that believe in you, but that's okay. 
<laughs> yeah, but again, you know, the campaign for that, it was really grassroots. You know, yeah. like I printed mm-hmm. my own flyers. Um, my uh, my boss at work, you know, uh, collaborated to my uh, I need to print flyers fund. And it was very, you know, like I had to I had to fundraise a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, um, gather the strength of my friend's feet and hands to help me mm-hmm. walk the neighborhood. And I, I don't think I even walked 25 percent of it, to be honest with you, because um, one East Hollywood is so large. And the little Armenia is now one of our the little mini districts inside. It used to be two. We used to have uh, little Armenia East and West. Okay. So now it's just one large uh, block. Okay. So, um, but yeah. So know. there are many districts within the neighborhood council. Yes. So we have East Hollywood, and then we have inside. Um, you know, like for example, little Armenia. We have Thai Town. Um, we have Virgil Village, and. Um, you know, others. <laughs> I love Virgil Village. That used to be my, well, I lived at Beverly and Virgil, but um, actually right about the time that we met, I had just given up that apartment in 2008. Um, but yeah, that was my neighborhood from 2000 to 2000. That's how I found LACC because yeah. I kept passing the school and I remember having a conversation with my dad. He was still alive at the time. And I said, you know, I really, I really want to go back to school. And I did so well when I was 30 in cosmetology school and I aced out of the theory classes and people were like, how are you? I said, I don't know. I'm paying attention to what the guy is telling us. But like that told me that I could go back to college because I didn't know like when I went to college the first time, I didn't really have study skills, things that just come really natural to me. So when I got to college, it was really overwhelming because I can read. Sure. But like <laughs> actually knowing how to study for a test, I didn't know how to do that because I never had had to do that. And they don't really teach you in school. You know, which is one of the reasons, where I'm from. Yeah. which is one of the reasons why, honestly, I love after school programs so yeah. much. You know, we are we kind of help fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. whatever you're learning in the day, we kind of help bolster that. But we also mm-hmm. give you skills like, OK, well, you have a test on Friday. How do you study for a test? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I do my homework. Yeah. No, ladies and gentlemen, doing homework is not studying. <laughs> yeah, totally not. And what was so interesting for me is. I transferred in to Portland State with a four point and I maintained that four point the whole first year I was there and people were like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, being a beast, of course. Hello. What am I not have, doing? <laughs> yeah, have, exactly. Giselle knows me. <laughs> you know me too well. What am I not doing? People ask me that now. You're involved in so many things. That's why I'm Rachel Rose Lucky, uh, the president of the Rampart Neighborhood Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and I were talking, she was on a episode of season two recently and, um, it was just funny because we were talking and it was like, Ooh, maybe I should like join a committee <laughs> on one of the councils first. And like, and that's why I wanted to get involved with planning the event, right. Yes. For the Congress of neighborhoods, because it's so important. It's bringing all these groups together. Right. And, and I love that kind of thing. And it's kind of getting my feet wet to kind of figure out like, cause I don't know. I mean, I don't know how long I'm going to be in Lincoln Heights. I've been there since March. I like it. I actually really love like where I live and it's so close to downtown. And I mean, full disclosure, this is really the only reason why I come into Hollywood anymore is to record podcasts and for a million drops and to Hollywood Adventist Church. I'm never in Hollywood. And it's so weird because I always thought like Hollywood was where I would be or, you know, somewhere close by. And it's like. I'm on the east side of the river and <laughs> I really like it because I'm close, but it's not in the city, yeah. if that makes sense. And it, but you're still in the city and it feels, it feels different for me. It's, it's a, like a kind of, oh, I just took a breath. It's that kind of feeling. It's that feeling of like, 
Oh, okay. Like I can breathe. I can go back and I can It's kind of like a boundary for you. Totally, completely. And I feel like that. Well, even because, you know, all of the volunteering and stuff that I'm doing down on Skid Row now and the two choirs that I'm in and everybody's like, you're so busy. And even at the housing, they're like, you're so busy. I still take days off when I need them. And it's nice because that river's there as like a divide of like, oh, I don't have to cross that river today if I don't want to. Yeah, that's what I meant by boundary. You know, setting boundaries for self-care is so important. And even something as simple. so hard for me, though. No, like something as simple as like taking that river as like, you know, it's not a metaphorical. You're like, it's, you know. It's a real river. (laughs) It's right there. It is a real river, (laughs) despite what people think. It's a real river. Um, But yeah, just having the option to Mm -hmm. give yourself that time and that space. And even if it's just like a moment of reflection. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because I was, um, oh, I was reflecting this morning with my new therapist and going through our assessment and everything, and she was asking me some really like deep personal questions, and I started like recounting like when we're talking like way back, way before LA City College, yeah, and I was just so stunned as to like. I'm always thinking about the organizing and all the stuff that I've done, but like the adversity that I've been through that's led me to this point, I don't always sit and dwell on that. And so, and we weren't really dwelling. We were just kind of, she was listing it out so we could, you know, help me get the right resources and things like that. And help me with boundaries is a big thing that we're talking about. And, you know, what that looks like to say like, okay, there's Scott the activist, right? As you were just saying, there's there's Jess that, you know, Jess doing social media for everybody else and yeah. Jess doing her personal social media, right? Yeah. And I'm having to... Like find a real, a real line of like, I love being an activist, but at the same time, I also need to be sure that if I am having a bad mental health day, that I can communicate that to the people that I am involved with and say, hey, today is not the right day for me. I don't know why. It's just not the right day. Um, And thankfully, I have a place like a million drops where I can come and I can, um, really put my skills back to work you know and starting here in like about sometime in October I became the volunteer co-manager and it's been a lot of fun because there's a lot of boundaries with this too right like the no sleeping boundary you know you got to eat at the tables or like um this is a learning center has been an interesting boundary to kind of what's the difference between a drop-in center with homelessness and a learning center and that's huge you're teaching classes now too I'm teaching podcasting <laughs> classes twice. Um, I'm hopefully going to be working with um, one of our gardening educators to do a gardening class because oh, we've got that. a garden going out there, and I've been singing to the plants and stuff, and they're growing really well. And people awesome. are like everything's growing really well. And I'm like, because I sing to the plants. It's a secret. <laughs> it's not really a secret. It's true. Um, but just like that, that understanding of like those of us that are activists, like you and I, like we have to be really aware of like. And I don't want to say giving too much of ourselves, but giving so much of ourselves that we forget that like, oh, I had a boundary right here. That's exactly. And I got to keep something for. For us. Yeah. Yeah. For the stuff I love to do. That's exactly where my mind was going. You know, you do give away so much of your energy, of your time, of of your essence to people. And you're filling up other people's cups. Who's Mm going to fill up our own cup? You know, only we can do it. Yeah. So having boundaries, it can be as simple as, you know, I have like a standing rule at work. Um, from 1 to 1.30, I'm on my lunch, whether I'm eating or not, <laughs> you know? 
Because <laughs> sometimes we do have those yeah. moments where we have to eat or, you know, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. rushing to like one of the nine yeah. schools and checking stuff out. A kid bumped his head, incident reports, like paperwork. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just even something as simple as setting aside 30 minutes for yourself. Like mm-hmm. I said, whether I'm eating or not, like I could be at my desk, put my headphones in, just put my head down, reflect, you know, meditate for mm-hmm. like five minutes because yeah, we're givers. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, again, that's that's how we met was through this like through this like organizing experience at LA City College and just like and I remember you and I kind of being the driving force behind what was happening and and you, you know, bringing, you know, your group <laughs> of friends to the table and so to speak and me bringing, you know, other folks that I was accessing on campus and the clubs that we were accessing yes. kind of on our own and the people that we were connecting yeah, with. Yeah, we started SAFE, Students Advocating for Fair Education. Yes. I remember that. Yes, <laughs> I just, I forgot the name until just now. But it's so important and I didn't think that we would get into like self-care in this, but I think it is, it's very important to, because there's people like you and I that mm-hmm. are probably listening to this or if you're listening, you know someone who's like this, that we do say yes in my hometown my friend Eleanor we call it helium hand where like our our hand just goes up in meetings where it's like oh I'll do that or like oh you know how to do that oh okay why don't you help with that and it's like I'm having to be conscious of well perfect example right now I'm uploading the podcast I just finished on yesterday uploading uh, episode 17 from season one I've never had to do that before like back in Oregon, somebody else did all of that for me. I didn't have to do worry about any of the edits. Thank you to Cynthia uh, Maleron, DJ Cherish Love, for editing season one for us. Uh, so it was really easy. But um, our previous manager, uh, Josh, he was so great. And he would help me with season one and getting everything on the computer. But then when he stepped back to take new opportunities, I was like, oh, crap. What do what I do? Now? I am. I mean, I'm super active on social media and stuff, but I'm not really computer. I have never owned my own computer except for like six months when I first moved to Portland and then that shit out on me like the first summer that I was there. So I've never had my own computer. So for me being on a computer and then I've got to, what do you mean? I've got to, I've got to upload these to my <laughs> website that I created. It's a GoDaddy website. It's a, it's basically like a glorified WordPress and it's beautiful. I did a really good job, yeah. but it's like, I don't know how to do this. And so I'm having to learn. But at the same time, I'm also like my ears and my eyes and my empathetic energy is open for like finding somebody that's really passionate about doing this with me that wants to learn about podcasting that has that technical knowledge because I can do it right now. But what if as this grows or what if as, you know, my new year like is already getting you know, busy with things besides just <laughs> potentially volunteering with neighborhood councils. Uh, what do I do as far as like giving away those things that I know that I don't need to do and that somebody else can do, if that makes sense. And that that's a big part of self-care too. And realizing that like you and I both have very distinct gifts yeah. and acknowledging like when something is presented to us and saying like, Hey, that's great. I'll help with this part that yeah, I can help with. Yeah, this is what I can do, but yeah, but I need to real yeah, to I need to realize that I don't have to do everything, mm-hmm. and that that's a big skill for organizing, right? And I think you probably have people that ask you, how do you get involved in so many yeah, things? It's right? a big challenge. Um, it really is. But I feel like as a leader, 
you know um you know you just like use the a, l word i, I love did. it but as a leader you have to be aware that you're always going to have to be looking for that second person mm-hmm. right or fifth or sixth exactly coalition building <laughs> exactly yes you know you have to have a network mm-hmm. of people that are in it for the common goal you know mm-hmm. whatever that goal might be um even in you know even in my work you know we have something that we call the why right like why do you work with kids why do you advocate you know for, oh, for yeah. homeless okay. individuals oh, why do you get up in the morning yeah. you know, your why is so important but you might have the strongest why but if you don't have the people to help you mm-hmm. even get started like you're not going to do anything right yeah. um something that i like to talk to a lot and this has just been probably the last four or five months okay um i started realizing that i in the work that i do you know be the volunteer work and or you know my actual paying job in, intention versus impact right? okay there's a big difference and a lot of times people confuse it people you know in the expanded learning field people in the neighborhood councils everybody wants to make impact right but most of the times you actually don't you might have all the intentions in the world you might go you know through life saying you want to do a b c d all the way through z right Mm -hmm. but if you can't put yourself out there if you can't delegate if you can't ask people for help you're not going to be doing any impact at all say that last one again if you can't what (laughs) ask what ask who if you can't ask others for help it's key, people. Key. It's wisdom right there. It takes it takes a lot to ask yeah. somebody for help. Yeah. Because as ground, grassroots organizers, we know that we can do it all. But should we have to? I don't know if I could do it all. <laughs> I think that's no, how I ended no, no. up in this situation. <laughs> is I was no, I wasn't trying to do everything, but but I realized that that like I thought that I was communicating things. And I wasn't. There's a whole mini series I have on mental health back in Oregon through a series called Perspectives in Healthcare mm-hmm. with this therapist. Her name's Amy Godfrey. And we did like six episodes together. We're reconnecting because we're going to relaunch that series. Awesome. But she lives in Washington State now and I live down here. So we're going to use Zoom and we're going to do it like we're going to like tele like do it like telehealth yeah, yeah. like telemental health and telehealth now is a thing. It is. Yeah. Right? There's and even so, apps like Talkspace. Right. You know? And she's not my therapist, <laughs> but we're going to like we're going to launch this podcast with it and air it through here down in L.A., but also up there in Oregon with KCIW on the radio up there. That's awesome. But she said because we there's a one about grief that I recently pulled up because a friend I know was dealing with that with her losing her sister and everything. And I've lost a number of people this year. And so I pulled this up and I shared it on my social media and Nanami thanked me for sharing it. And she's like, I want the others that, you know, we've done before. And so I communicated why that one about grief was so powerful for me. And I had said, well, my dad had just died yeah. of a brain tumor. She didn't know that. I thought she knew because I'd been talking to everybody. I was crying. <laughs> I was wanting to jump off bridges. I mean, not that that's funny, but like literally like I had lost my best friend and I was moving up to Oregon to reconnect with my mother, not with my father. My mother was the one that I wasn't that close to. My dad and I were super close and it was just like to end up there and then lose him and then have this woman that I was doing this podcast series with and talking about grief, but like she didn't realize like how recent it had been and what it meant. And she was like, you have to be better 
better for, you know, checking in about that. <laughs> so in a humorous, real good stuff <laughs> moment, because podcasting verite, uh, thank you, Ground Game LA, for that uh, understanding of what that is. Um, this is real life, right? And your alarm just went off for your yes. one o'clock lunch Full break. Full disclosure, <laughs> it is 101 p.m. And, and... <laughs> Jess's phone was like, you got to take that lunch break right now. Uh, but we are going to keep recording um, because uh, we both technically have today off. Yes, we do. Well, I don't. I actually have a podcast class this afternoon. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of like a day off. Um, everything else is off today. Um, so, but yeah, that that understanding of like, sometimes we might think that we're communicating. Or I should say that I have thought that I was communicating and I wasn't communicating very clearly and or I or I didn't say it to the right people because she certainly would have been the right person to talk to yeah. but I just thought that she was so busy and she didn't even live in my hometown uh, but it was just like this weird thing of like that was in 20 he died in 2013 we started recording in like 2015 and this is 2019 well now 2020 yeah. and like she didn't realize that in 2019 that had been that recent that my father had died and it just, it really, it was a, a kind of an aha epiphany moment for me because I realized that I think that I overly communicate. And I've always thought that because people are always like, you talk too fucking much. Why do you talk so much? But I feel like I overly communicate. But sometimes it's like, it's about communicating to that right person, right? Yeah. And that's the key to like, I think with self-care, with coalition building, with both of our organizing, it's one of the things they taught us way back in the day. And it was something I had never thought about is when in talking to people, we can talk to a hundred people when we leave this podcast about something. Yeah. But if we're not talking to the right people, it's not going to build that coalition. Right. And yeah. finding that, that glue that who's who, and it's not always the leader. It's not always the person that's putting themselves in leadership. That's the leader. It's that person that is that person in the group that's the communicator that talks to everybody, yeah. right? Do you, do you remember when we learned about, um, you have your ones, your twos, your threes, your fours? Do you remember that? Remind me. Okay, so um, that's something that to this day I use, actually. Yeah. Even even with uh, when I'm working with, uh, with the kids. Um, your number ones are your go-getters, right? Yes. They're like, they're, they're Scott, you know, they're yeah. Jess. They talk to people they help find other people that might be willing to join your cause or go to your town hall or bring a friend you know to the oh, food drive yes 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 so those are your ones your mm -hmm. twos are those people that show up to see well what's going on mm -hmm. you know like oh yeah that's cool give me something to do and i'll do it right your threes are the people that are kind of on the fence that don't know mm -hmm. oh well, i want to fully commit to this right um i don't know if it's for me but i want to help so I'll, I'll go once a month yeah. And then your fours are, don't even mention that to me. I have better things to do with my time. You know, you do you, I do me. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to encounter those four people. And if you're looking for people to join, you know, your nonprofit or to mm -hmm. help you accomplish whatever goal it is, you have to tailor your message to each one of those ones, twos, and threes because you don't want fours, right? That's fours, true. Fours are the people that end up derailing you. Yeah. Um, fours are the people that are like, oh, well, let's do this instead and kind of take you off course. And yeah, you know, we, we all know people like that. 
but I've been that person sometimes. <laughs> yes, sometimes sometimes we yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, and and you know we're human, right? Like, yeah. we, I mean, if it's like we can't go through life. Like, let's go to the bar for Christmas <laughs> Eve. No, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> let's derail that plan. <laughs> yes. Let's be introverts. <laughs> well, I'm not going to speak for you, but for me, I was like, no, I'm not going out for New Year's Eve. I'm uploading podcasts and I'm chilling and I'm drinking a little champagne. And then I'm going to bed at like twelve thirty or one o'clock. <laughs> I stayed. I stayed in on New Year's Eve too. I oh really? Home. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't home, <laughs> but I was. I was uploading podcasts. And but yeah, it was just so like, it's so important to remember that. Yeah. You know the ones, twos, threes, and fours, and I had forgotten. I remember that now that you said it, but it's so impactful because mm-hmm. if we go after that person who's not going to show up and and maybe their reasons for not showing up are super valid yes, right yeah. Yeah, and understanding I'm not that, that yeah. yeah i'm not yeah. saying that their reasons aren't valid yeah you know? it's just some people are like you and i where they're gonna be there right mm-hmm. and when i got there and i was like of course giselle is at city hall <laughs> <laughs> of course she's at this congress of neighborhoods of course you're involved because you were that person right in the group that we were in with the aft and with safe and you know the labor organizing and all of that. I mean, just spending those Saturdays in that room. I mean, I'm still still connected to people from that. I mean, we're not Same. like besties, but like we're still connected. They're still organizing in their neighborhoods. You remember Latrice? I do. Latrice is down on Crenshaw and she's still doing her <laughs> little thing with Crenshaw and everything that's happening awesome. down there and speaking up about hey, that. Latrice, and if hey you're Latrice. To this. Yeah, right? <laughs> I hope you are. I hope you are. That's um, awesome. But yeah, I, I get a lot of memes from her, actually. <laughs> uh, she makes me laugh. Um, but just, you know, understanding that and understanding that, like, we all have different capacities. And some of us, for whatever reason, have been given a really big capacity. Like, I just, I got this, I got this idea to teach podcasting off of a class at the public library. And it's Locature Radio. I want to shout out to you all as many times in these podcasts mm-hmm. as I can. Um, these two Latinas that wanted to start highlighting because there's a lot of people that like are like already doing their thing. They get highlighted in media or different things like that. But there's people that are doing amazing things in the city that oftentimes get overlooked yeah. because they're not at the top level or they're up and coming or whatever. And so these two ladies started this podcast called Locatura Radio. They're like in year three. They're winning all sorts of awards for content. And I didn't know who they were. I just love the classes with LA Made at the public <laughs> library. And I went down there to the little Tokyo library. There were three other people from Urban Voices in the group. that There that was a packed room there at the Tokyo little Tokyo library. And I just was impacted because they were talking about like the theory stuff, right? The classroom stuff of organizing, but with podcasting. And someone said, where do I go learn to like do this? Like really get on equipment. And I was like, well, I can't get them on our equipment right away, but we can certainly do theory. And then when they're, when we find out that they're ones, right? Or even twos, get you on equipment and practice or introduce you to other podcasters or, you know, turn you on to podcasts that you might really be wanting to listen to this stuff and learn and then they can go out and explore because podcasting is for people that don't know it's so huge and there are podcasts about things i couldn't even imagine there are podcasts about yeah i'm I'm a huge podcast listener i (laughs) there are podcasts about making podcasts yes there are (laughs) there's podcasts about your favorite tv show your favorite movie your least favorite movie that i fall in i love listening to podcasts about uh old tv shows what's your what's your favorite my favorite podcast yeah or tv shows 
Oh my god, they're called uh, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. So Ooh. it's about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I Ooh. absolutely love that Where podcast. do you listen? I listen to it on Spotify. Okay. Um, but it's everywhere, honestly. Just Buffering the Vampire yeah, Slayer. And it's, it's about the TV show. Yes, it's two two queer women. Um, they used to be married. Um, I think they're separated. <laughs> of course now. it's two queer women. Um, but of course, right? There's but- a lot of queers. <laughs> There's a lot of queers, by the way, podcasting. Let's just put that out there. And I love I love hearing their perspective on all the episodes. And um one of um one of the the ladies that lead it, um, she ends every episode with a self-recorded song that she made specifically for that episode. Oh, so cool. it's amazing. I I support them on Patreon, and oh, I just I what's love Patreon? Uh, Patreon is a website um, where if you have um, you know original content or just any sort of content online, if people support you, they can uh, become patrons to your. How cute! Um, yeah, so okay. you know, like it goes from like one dollar every month, um, all the way to like however many dollars a month you can afford, and. They have like a special page for okay. the patrons and, you know, they, they upload uh, content specifically for patrons that isn't available anywhere okay. else. So you have, uh, you know, the record, like anybody can listen to, for example, the the Spotify yeah. podcast, right? And listen to the song at the end of the episode. But if you have, um, if you're a Patreon, you get to listen to the songs for like, let's say the whole season um, ahead of time. Or oh, you cool. have Yeah. Or, or you can purchase uh, ringtones and, and things like that. Oh, cool. Just an example. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So uh, in this podcast, we are learning that Giselle knows a lot more about the world than <laughs> Scott does, which I think was always the case. You well, were too sweet. <laughs> I, well, I think that was kind of the thing, though, that, that really, like, when we were all were organizing together at LA City College was really like impactful because you were really good at that kind of thing, right? You were really, you're really good at research. You're really good at like knowing what the, you know, (laughs) not the rules, so to speak, but the context and everything. And I, and I still know that my gift is somehow like connecting with people and like that, like, Oh, Hey, Oh, cool. We're doing this. And it's that face to face community. I mean, I went to Portland state and like showed them on the campus with sustainability and they're like, nobody's coming to our stuff. And I'm like, cause you're a bunch of mostly white people in this really nice, beautiful building way off to the side of campus. And what you're missing is like all of these little departments that you're reaching out to the native American students, the black students in the black studies department, the women's studies group, yeah. all of these groups, they're doing their own things around sustainability that have nothing to do with you. So and now let's you go. have a coalition. Yeah. And right? so now go and like meet them and go talk to them. And rather than expecting them to come to join your them. space, go join them. Right. Yes. And that's, I feel like is my, was my thing was like, I love going into new spaces and like getting to know why, why do you do this? And also, like, how can I be a part of it? Even if it's just for today or just for a little bit, how can I participate? I like to engage with people. The why and the how, again, right? Yeah. And And that in itself also, you know, links me back to what I said earlier, intention versus impact, right? Yeah. Like, the intention is the why, the impact is the how. You need to have both. Mm-hmm. And if you're missing one or the other, or if one isn't as strong or the other, you can have a bit of momentum, but then eventually, you know you're going to start to slow down to a trickle. And why why in coalition building is momentum important? That's a great question, Scott. Um, (laughs) I feel like momentum, there's certain 
things that happen, right? Uh, whether it be somebody being elected president or somebody, you know, shutting down um, a, a, a flashing beacon line mm-hmm. where you used to cross with your son or daughter to go to school every day, right? Um, as soon as things happen, you know that it's affecting somebody somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you're not quick enough to find that person, well, they're just going to feel like, oh, well, okay, nobody cares. Nobody's mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna move on with their life, because as humans we're adaptable, right? Like we, we adapt and we and we move on. But hmm, urgency gets stuff done. You know, urgency is the the you, like what you can do for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said earlier, like I can't do everything alone. There's other right. people that feel like I do. There's other people that want to do things that I want to do. Um, but you know, life happens. And if you're not catching that wave of urgency and if you're not doing it in an effective way, mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the theory comes into place, right? A lot of the, uh, the grassroots organizing theories that we learn, you know, just like finding your ones, your twos, your threes, you know, just like, um, you know, formulating your message so that it has a, a call to action at the mm-hmm. end. You know, like you're angering somebody, you're giving somebody hope, you know, you're letting them know how they can help and what you can do together. So if you, I mean, I feel like I'm putting a lot on your on people's shoulders saying like, <laughs> you have to do it, you have to do it. Um, but no, you know, as, as long as you can, re- you realize that that's what's happening. Just like you, you know, like an opportunity came, like, you know, you were hearing people talking about this podcast. Oh, well, I can do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or I can do this. Pe- now- people taught me how to podcast and they gave their time and they're stunned. When I went back to Oregon for Thanksgiving for a week, thankfully, friends, shout out to the Babbins, my adopted <laughs> family back there. They flew me back there for a week and... Everybody was so surprised to see me because I didn't tell people I was coming because I didn't know for sure like what was going to happen and when I was going to be there and and what people were going to be doing. It was Thanksgiving and I didn't want to just be like, hey, I'm back. It's like I left. And again, I didn't (laughs) I didn't tell you I was leaving. Guess what? That's my that's my spiritual gift. Everybody is disappearing. (laughs) I'm really good at that. Um, And I went back and like people were like 4118. And I was like, how do you know this? How do you know about... They're like, we've been following this and we're so concerned and we were so worried about you and this criminalization of homelessness yeah. and what was what was going to happen to Scott and where were you and were you okay? People that, you know... I mean, I went down on my Facebook, I think, uh, maybe it was this summer or was the summer before. I went down to like five people and one of them, it was two people. It's an actor and so he has... Love you, Daryl Stevens. Um, a personal <laughs> Facebook and a and a actor Facebook, right? And it was there was like so. There's basically was four people on my Facebook at one point because my life was at such a low point. And these folks in Brookings had seen that in my hometown. Yeah. They had seen me at that really low point. And it was just interesting because it clicked for me. Like I did a whole lot of things there. But it's so important to acknowledge how many people were involved in the stuff that I did because they were all like, oh, my gosh, we wish that you would come back. And I kept wanting to say, you don't realize you all did it. It wasn't just me. I I came back because my dad, that was his dream before he died. He wanted me to go back there and organize. 
<clears throat> and I remember him saying, why don't you come back to your hometown and just help us for a few years? You can go back to LA or Portland or wherever you want to go, but like come back here where people actually know you and help us for a while because he would see what I would do, how I could bring people together in these coalitions and get people to do things. And I keep trying to explain that to people. Like, because people go, oh, look at you, you're so, no. I just know how to hear people and see the beauty in them, even when they're being shitty, even when they're being assholes. Like, how do you find what's beautiful in that? Um, I've certainly had to. I mean, this was the first, this was the first year that I was inside in two holidays, yeah. 17 and 18. I was outside during the holidays and it was weird. It was like, it was strange because I had felt like I had lost that. I had felt like I had lost the coalitions. I had felt like I had lost the community and I'd willingly left, right? Like my yeah. home, I talked about that this morning to the therapist in the assessment. She's like, have you ever been a part of a natural disaster? And I'm like, yeah, my hometown almost burned to the ground in 2017, right before I moved back here. The fire finally was put out on October 23rd and I left my apartment with everything in it on October 28th because I had heard the forest service when everybody else was leaving town, I was still there. And they said, if this happens again, we might not be able to save the town. And I thought, I don't want to be stuck here. The next time this burns, this isn't, like, I'm not getting fulfilled. I'm helping everybody. I'm bringing people together. But, like, and they're still doing it. Some of the stuff is still happening. But that's basically what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm connecting all, I mean, my last therapist that I had to let go, I was educating her on all sorts of things. And she's <laughs> in the homeless FSP program as a therapist. And she didn't know what was going on. And it's like, I meet these people that work in the, homeless services industry and it's like they're not showing up they're not being present and yeah I mean other people like me who are you know I mean my life right now is on the upswing but there's lots of people like me and I can think of you know a few dozen people right now that have helped connect me with resources or other people with resources and they're not really in a much better spot in their life but it's like it's that power of like that togetherness mm -hmm. of that coming together and none of us can do everything but we all have gifts right and like I'm just so excited to like know that there's 99 right neighborhood yeah. councils there's 99 around Los councils. Angeles. So like when I get fed up <laughs> with like, again, I'm a shout out to Mike Bonin. I love you, Mike Bonin. Mike Bonin's going to get shout outs all through season two <laughs> as well. I love him. He's great. But I feel like there's a really big difference between politicians and public servants and civic leaders, right? And that's so important. I'm meeting so many civic leaders, people in the community that are like you, that are in Los Angeles, that care like you do, that give like you do, that you. are going to give up their Saturday to go down. And like you all aren't getting paid no. to go to these meetings, right? That's that's a question that I get a lot, you know, from my friends. Like, oh, like you're an elected official. Like, how much are they paying you? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it's, it's a volunteer just, position. You want, you want Los Angeles to be better. Yeah, you want, want your neighborhood, neighborhood to be, to be better. better. Yep. Right? And it just, like, it's so beautiful. And there's, like... And it's amazing to meet all the people wow. in your neighborhood that you had no clue were small business owners or, you know, that they were going through the same hardships that you were going through. Um, you find you find a real sense of community through mm -hmm. the neighborhood council. You know, like we have a mom's group now that a mom, you know, like a first time mom just oh, really? wanted to start. And uh, they meet at our brand new uh, Hollywood uh, uh, garden that's on Madison and uh, Lexington. And yeah, like oh, cool. every, yeah, and you know, it's just young moms that like are, are getting together and you know, at bring their kids garden. at a community <laughs> okay. community park garden. Yeah. And 
you know, it's, I love it's amazing. It. Scotty so. Appleseed, that speaks to my heart right now. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. And, um, you know, just just actually getting to know the other people on the council as well. You know, they, they are my literal neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one of one of the guys on, uh, on the neighborhood council used to be my next door neighbor when I still lived at my old house. Um, so... Yeah, a lot of a lot of my neighbors, um, you know, right now are facing, you know, like displacement because mm-hmm. their homes are being sold or their buildings are, you know, yeah. being torn down. And I went through that myself two years ago. So, um, you know, being part of the neighborhood council, I feel has actually kind of helped me heal from that as well. Um, and, you know, joining groups and going to meetings and things like that just really help ground a person yeah can you um it's so powerful because like in 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 the city like people can look at los angeles and they can see like this vastness right Mm -hmm. and this like i think people move here even and and feel that but like can you speak because like you're like really like because you've lived in this neighborhood right because you lived in this neighborhood Right, back when we knew each other, right? So you've lived lived here a long time. I've lived in Little Armenia since I was three years old. Wow. Yeah. um, You know, born and raised in East Hollywood. Um, No, not born, but (laughs) I was born in East LA. Basically, (laughs) though, I mean, if you consider three years old is the time that you're really I'm conscious. I'm starting to become conscious. Right? And you're Um, interacting. Yeah, it was the only home that I'd known. And um, yeah, you know, my landlord decided to sell the house. And, um, you know, with the contingency that, you know, they weren't going to kick us out and that yeah. person only owned the house for a month and then they sold it to a development company, uh, which happens. Yeah, it's so, happening all over the city right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, to, and it's been happening to a lot of my friends. Most of my best friends um, have actually gone through that themselves and now live elsewhere, you know. Um, I have a, a best friend in Washington, D.C. I have a best friend in Sacramento. Um, two of them moved down to um, Arizona, Wow. Yeah. So now we're kind of like, you know, all over the place. And my parents moved to the Midwest. Oh, they did? They did. Yeah. They oh, moved wow. to the Midwest. Uh, we have a lot of family up there. Okay. But they're retired. So, you know, when uh, when that happened two years ago, I was still getting my, my bachelor's, you know, and um, racking up them student loans. Um, but shout out to the federal government right there. Hey, hey, you know what? They made they gave me uh, an education. They made it possible. So, <laughs> they made, so no, I'm, I'm no, grateful. No, you for made that. this possible, and the community <laughs> made this possible. Yeah, we're grateful. But yeah, forgive those student loans. <laughs> forgive those student loans. Uh, I need mine forgiven. Um, that's a long time to live in one place. It is. Yeah, like I said, you know, uh, there's uh, there, I love musicals. There's this songs like called. Uh, uh, a house is not a home. Yes. You know, like a house is not a home. Like a chair is still a chair, even though there's no one sitting there. So for me, I, I like to say like, oh, like I'm going to my house now. Like it, it's just even like the, it changes your language. You know? Yeah. Because it is traumatizing. Yeah. It was, it was very hard for me to, to deal with that, you know. And um, I love, I love uh, you know, um, uh, the property owner that we had. He's still a close family friend. Yeah. He actually rents to me now. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, you know, he's still in the neighborhood, and um, that's how I managed to stay in the neighborhood, you know, because of those connections that um, that we made. But we couldn't find anything that me and, and, you know, the rest of my family, where we could all live together comfortably, mm-hmm. you know? And 
you know, it was it was rent controlled property. So yeah, now yeah, I I still live on this very same block, just on, on the opposite end of the block. Okay. Um, and you know, every every morning I walk by or I drive by, and I see this huge monstrosity of a building going up where, where my home used to be. Um, so even now, you know, it it gets me. I'm about to start crying <laughs> because. <sighs> I mean, you know, I'm 30, and um, as, as a Latina woman, if, if you're not married, you live at home, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I wish I could still live at home with my parents. You know, yeah. they're, they're both senior citizens now. They're retired. They're, you know, on SSI, and they live alone in the Midwest, you know? Yeah. So that, to me, in itself is heartbreaking. Um, I had to do a lot of self-reflecting again mm-hmm. and... Um, a lot of self-healing because I because I, I got started with school so late. You mm-hmm. know, you always think like, oh, I'm this age. By this t- age, I should be doing this. Or by this age, I should be done with that. Well, no, you know, I, I got um, I got my bachelor's at 29. And I was in school for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go to school right out of high school. Yeah. Like I didn't I never thought that college was in, in the books for me. I, it was yeah. just something that I didn't want to do. Um, and you know, and I, I've been poor my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. like I've been low income, uh, shout out to my parents because I didn't realize I was poor until I was old to yeah. know what poor meant. <laughs> so <laughs> they made it possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so it, it, um, being in the neighborhood council, you do learn all of like the the movement that's going mm-hmm. on in your neighborhood, you know, all the all the buildings that are going to be torn down, what's going to come up, you know, businesses are asking you for support. And um, one of the great things about this new batch of um, of board members this year is that we not only do we get along, mm-hmm. um, but we kind of have um, the same vision for our neighborhood. Oh, that's you know? cool. And and. You know, even some of the some of our our regular uh, neighborhood council um, visitors, you know, that come to our meetings yeah. and stuff, they've even said things like, "Oh, you know, like we have we have, uh, you know, hope for for you guys, or you know, like you guys work well together." And oh, that's cool. It, it's really it feels really nice. Um, yeah. Because if a building um, uh, or like a a project manager comes in and they're like, you know, pitching us something. Um, we don't all, well, not all of us, right? But, like, we don't all just go willy-nilly, oh, yeah, sure, build it, you know, yeah. tear down whatever that yeah. is and build it. No, um, right now we're um, trying to advocate for the tenants of the swap meet that's right there on the corner of oh, Vermont, yeah, yeah. Santa Monica. Um, there was some shady stuff going on with, uh, with the property owner and the manager uh-huh. um, and uh, some eviction notices because the property is going to be torn down and okay. um, a big um, condo is going to uh, be... Um, we didn't support that project, um, but yeah. So a lot of the tenants there were getting threatened by yeah. the property owner and the manager, saying that if they came to our neighborhood council meeting, and this happened right outside of our meeting location. Wow. Um, you know that if they came in, that they were that they weren't going to have um, two months of free rent. You know that they had to that they had to pay rent. So they're like making all these backdoor deals. So right now we're in the in the works with uh, talking to Mitchell Farrell's office and. Um, seeing what we can do for these stakeholders in our neighborhood because a lot of them, not only do they own their own businesses, you know, because you have to in order to have a business inside, they pay rent. Yeah. And they've been there for 35 plus years. Yeah. Um, You know, longer than I've been in the neighborhood. I've been going to that swap beat my whole life. Yeah. It's a Um, staple of the neighborhood. Yes. 
So um, a lot of the complaints that uh, were brought up by these tenants too was, well, you know, the whole first floor of that building, you know, that's probably going to go up. Um, it's supposed to be retail space. You know, nobody mm-hmm. has approached them about, you know, moving their, their retail business there. Um, you know, not, they haven't been communi- communicated with or to regarding that process. So um, out of, I think, 12 or 13 tenants that were outside, only three decided to stay. And um, they stayed uh, throughout the duration of the meeting, and they spoke to us afterwards. And, you know, they said, you know, well, we just wanted to know what was going on. You know, we're not asking for help. We don't want you guys to go to bat for us or anything, but we just wanted to know what's going on because they're not telling us anything. Yeah, um, yeah come to find out, um, you know, after after the meeting, one of the ladies that was there, she told us, oh, you know, the the guy, the the project manager that was here, like pitching the project, yeah. there was two of them. He used to be a former manager of the swap meet. So there's obviously already there a huge conflict of interest, and that's wow. just not something that we support. So uh, that's one of the things that we're dealing with right now. Wow. Yeah. Corruption goes deep in this city, and I think there needs to be a whole like mini series on, like, because. There's a lot of talk about homelessness, yeah. right? But there's not nearly enough talk about like what you just shared. And thank you for making yourself vulnerable on this yeah. podcast <laughs> and sharing your story. Because we talk a lot about that. Like in the city, there's a lot of people going, oh, the homeless people, the homeless people. But there's not a lot of discussion of how many people are falling into homelessness. Yeah, and like. And, I could have very easily been right? homeless and, if I hadn't had those connections in my neighborhood. Right. And then, like, what about all these other people that you named, right? Because the friend in D.C., I believe I know that friend, right? Yes, we share do. that friend in common, right? Yeah. And it's, like, just acknowledging that this is happening to so many people. And what does someone do if they don't have those connections? If they're disabled or they're living alone or they're older or they're really introverted, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And... It just really concerns me that there's not a lot of discussion about that because these condos are going up all over the city and a lot of them, nobody's living in them, right? South Park, the vacancy rate is some ridiculous amount of like how many things are open in South Park right now around the Staples Center. And even then, the inclusion inclusion of units that are low income, right? Like what exactly does low income mean for one property versus another? You know, like what kind of services are you going to be giving your tenants you know mm-hmm. um on top of the metro station um on vermont and santa monica there's okay. also going to be another building oh they're going to build and a building yes and okay. um our neighborhood council actually supports that one because it's 100 percent low-income housing oh that's good yes. yeah 100 wow. low-income and you know and these project managers come to our neighborhood council meetings every month, give us updates on what's going on, you know, the contracts and uh, things that the city's going, uh, regulations that they've been uh, dealing with. And um, if we really support a project, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to, to get the word out. Mm-hmm. So that is one that, that we support, you know, the one across the street that I was talking about earlier. That's the one that we did not support. Okay. Um, it only had about 10 units that were low income housing and, you know, even then at our last meeting, I was asking questions like, okay, well, what about parking? Like, oh, yeah. no parking's additional. Okay, so you're going to ask a person to choose whether they can pay for parking or their apartment? Like, yeah, little things like that can make a person homeless. Yeah. Oh, you know? absolutely. Like, you don't have a place to park your car. What do yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, some people live in their cars. Yeah. Like, 
on my blog, there's there's uh, a gentleman that uh, right now, um, his name is Jorge. You know, um, he he recognizes me because he's from the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and like I said, I've lived there my whole life. And right now, he's living in his car, yeah, um, waiting for a brother of his that lives in Houston because he's a trucker to come make a delivery in LA because he's gonna go back and live, um, you know, with his brother because. He has no one else here, and his building wow. was also um, it was remodeled, and then they raised the rent, and he couldn't afford it, which yeah. is another another thing that happens a lot um, at uh, rent controlled buildings, yeah. you know, and uh, and spaces. Um, honestly, in my head now, that I was like, oh, you're getting we're getting remodeled, like oh, that's a red flag for me now. Oh yeah, you know, it's not like oh no no, leave my shitty apartment alone, please. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it know? was a red flag for me. Uh, uh, Rachel Rose Lucky lives in the same building that I lived in. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I was a uh, part of my story is I was a queer gentrifier in that neighborhood in 2000. Yeah. I didn't realize what was happening. I was one of the only white people in the building and who was explaining it to me were the people that were living on the street. Wow. People that I still, I still know them to this day. I ran into her uh, down on uh, Skid Row, gosh, probably about a year ago because it was right before I found Urban Voices. And I was down there one day going to the Wesley Health Clinic of all places. And I missed my time for some reason and wasn't able to go. And she was standing there at the light on the other side of the street. And I'm like, I know her. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that is, I'm not going to name her name in the podcast because she probably wouldn't appreciate that. But I'm like, I know her. I'm like, that is the woman that called me in the community way back in 2000 and said, you're the white gay guy moving into the neighborhood. This neighborhood's going to change. And I didn't get what that meant. I see, I see white gay couples now at <laughs> Vermont and third. I never saw that before. And I'm not shaming people, right? We're a part of a larger system of oppression that we just need to talk about like more openly and I'm hoping, you know, as we move into season two, uh, Rachel Rose Lucky has brought up redlining. And I hope <laughs> we're going to talk more about like neighborhood disinvestment and what that means. Because that neighborhood right there, little Bangladesh, right around the 101 freeway, right below at LA City College, that is one of the lowest income neighborhoods in this part of Los Angeles. Actually, in basically Los Angeles, when you look at the map around like the metro stops and everything, that's the poorest, like around that Vermont and Beverly stop is the poorest area. It's right where Path is. It's right where a lot of things are. And it just is like, that's why I moved out. Yeah. My apartment went from $500 in 2000 to when I moved out, they were asking over $1,000 in 2008. See, and that's ridiculous too because... It's a studio. Yeah. And it's not... I, know, I mean, I It's an old a building and it's a a not a nice now. neighborhood still. <laughs> yeah. It's still not a nice neighborhood. If you've, I'm not even going to call Rachel, anybody out on what neighborhood it's in, but it's like you heard it mentioned it earlier in this podcast. But it's not... It's very, very... It's a very disinvested neighborhood. And the fact that they're... Going into these neighborhoods that for years, like, they just left alone. And it's like, now all of a sudden, this is prime land again. Mm -hmm. But, like, we're pushing people out. Yes, and it'd be it's, one it's thing it's if people land, were living right? in those places. Yeah. But a lot of these places are half empty. Why are they half empty? That's what I don't get. Because they're not catering to the people that live in the city. You get me? Oh, no. I, I get you. But, like, they who's going to live in them? They're not filled people. now. No. They're not, and that's one of and the And nobody can that, afford it. Yep. yep. And I believe, I've seen it, those places, it's not just one person living in them either. 
There's so many people in this city right now that are in apartments or in condos, and there's multiple people or a half a dozen people living in them, and people that are like shift, shift sleeping. That's something that I didn't realize was a thing. Before before <laughs> I got my place now, um, when I was looking for a place, I actually rented a room for a few months um, in a house in South LA. There was 10 of us living there, sharing one bathroom. And that's just, you know, and everybody was different ages. There was like a whole family of like six living downstairs. There wow. was, uh, you know, the, the lady that owned the house with her daughters in one room. Um, and then there was uh, three bedrooms that other, you know, other people like me rented. And I was the only student okay. in, in that uh, in that living situation. And like I said, I was only there for a few months while the <laughs> the previous tenants uh, yeah. finished out their lease. And then I moved in. Um, but, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a means to an end, right? I had yeah. a place to sleep and there was people that slept in shifts. Uh, you know, like one yeah. person worked graveyard and the other person, uh, you know, uh, worked during the day and they just mm -hmm. kind of took turns. Um, people have to, you know, we find ways. And like I said earlier too, you know, like it's about like we adapt, right? Like yeah. we need something. It's like your basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like your basics, right? You need food, you need shelter, and, you know, you need to feel safe. So, I mean, I was in South L.A. Uh, I had never been south of, like, USC. Oh, you hadn't? I hadn't, you know. Oh, really? I, okay. Yeah. So, to me, one, that was, like, a culture shock in itself. Oh, yeah. And two, I was like, well, I don't have anywhere, you know, there's nowhere else that I could afford the rent. You yeah. Know, by myself for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, let's, you know. I yeah. had to do it. I had, you know, I moved it on a Friday. Like I had to, I had to go to school. Yeah. I had to finish my, you know, my degree. Um, I was going through horrible depression because I, I felt like not only did I lose my home, but like I lost my family, right? Like yeah. we all kind oh, of like, yeah. my brother ended up moving um, up towards Apple Valley with his girlfriend and my parents moved to the Midwest. And now, you know, I'm here in LA, you know, being my own independent woman self. Or trying to be as much as I could. You're on a neighborhood <laughs> council though now, so now, it all yeah. turns no, around. Yeah, this but yeah, is two years ago. Um, but you know, that's even a then, lot though yeah. to like, and then be in a completely like you're in the same city, but you're not. Yes. Because that's what people don't realize about LA. You can go to a different part, and you're in a completely. Yeah. 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 I was. I. I did feel like I was like in a different city, you know, and and they themselves. Have and that's their a own long ways away too. Problem. Well, I did go to Cal State Long Beach, so it was oh, closer okay, for me so to, to commute to oh, school and back. Look at you! Look at you, silver lining. Ha! That would, that'll you know, be your you, nickname. You have to find the silver lining. Silver me. lining, it's true. Um, yeah, well, that's what I that's what I did when I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I left my hometown, and it was like, okay, I don't have a, I know how to camp. I'll camp, mm -hmm. and I was just really lucky that in 2017 there wasn't a lot of wet. In 2017, now 2018 was harder because yeah. 2018 was like wetter and it was more difficult because I was like, oh, fuck, it's raining again. <laughs> um, and I didn't work in the laundromat. And so I didn't have the same, you know, and I was sleeping in a different place and I was like traveling more because I was like trying to push myself like more towards the river. It was like the it was like the nature of the river was calling me after being back in Oregon and then coming back to like so much concrete and and also like it's really traumatic i mean i think we need to like this is a real serious thing if it's not happening we need to start grief groups for like people in los angeles who are watching 
their neighborhoods get torn apart. I don't think that's a thing right now, but I really, if you're listening to this podcast on season two, I think we need to start talking about that because it's been really traumatic for me. Like I love LA, but I'm like, I'm watching, I'm watching like holes get ripped in it. And some people are celebrating the gentrification and a lot of people aren't. And I feel like the people that are celebrating the gentrification are the people that are moving into the neighborhoods without any understanding of like where they're moving in and why and how, right? It's mm-hmm. back to that why yep. and that how, right? Yep. Because it's super impactful. It's super impactful what's happening. I mean, it impacted me and I only lived in that neighborhood for eight years. And it was like my, you know, and I still go back and it's like, that's where I turned 30 in that neighborhood, yeah. you know, like I went through a whole, that's where I went back to LA city college in that neighborhood and became an activist for people that were sleeping outside and was like, no, these are people They're remembering my name. They're talking to me. I didn't have much money, so I wasn't really able to help them, yeah. but like they cared about me more than the friends that I was partying with more than the friends. And yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, you, I'm looking at all of you, <laughs> these, oh, homeless people quote unquote were the people that were taking an interest in me before I went back to LA city college when I was like trying to find myself in my early thirties. And it was like, wow, this really is my community. And then I got to LACC and I saw kind of, you know, what was happening at that time, you know, back in like, I mean, that was like 2008, 2009 and the gentrification was happening. Right. (laughs) And everything that was happening then. And I remember coming back here in 2017 And someone from L.A. City College that I had had dance classes with said, you're not going to recognize it. You're going to get back and you're going to be like, what are they doing? You've been gone for six years, but it's completely different. And it just like it's really traumatic and it's frustrating. And I'm not blaming, you know, my homelessness on gentrification. I can't appropriate that experience. My homelessness has to do with other things with, you know, white supremacy back in Oregon and being scared for my life in Trump County. Um, I love Brookings, but it was scary being back there for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, my friend Ellen and I were going to take Sharpies and deface Trump bumper stickers because we were just so like, she lives in Ashland and I was just so like, it like occurred to me like why I, why I moved, you know, yeah. and why I came back here. And even though it's like hard here too, it's like, we've got to keep, we've got to keep speaking up. We've got to keep engaging. We've got to keep trying to build coalitions And like, that's why it was so beautiful. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to be on a podcast because our paths crossed again. And I'm just so excited. Like, I don't know, for 2020 and all the, like the beyond and like wherever, you know, you and I end up and, you know, whatever ends up happening with the city. I just, I think it's so important to coalition build. And I'm so happy to like be in some way participating with you in Congress of Neighborhoods. Are you going to the planning committee meeting I, on Saturday? I believe so, yeah. Oh, I also got the email. Bump. Okay, so. <laughs> rock on. I yeah. love it. I, I met really cool people. and uh, Yeah, that yeah. was my, that was my very first, uh, you know, Congress of Neighborhoods. And I feel like it was, a, it was a really good time to be there for the first time, especially because, you know, the, the manager um, you know, oh, had just left. Yes. And the, the new, mm-hmm. um, I think, Grace left. And I don't, I think her name is Monica. I don't came remember. in. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but uh, but yeah. So we have uh, a new uh, manager putting the event together. Yeah. And uh, you know um, we had a. 
challenge with lunch <laughs> that day. Yes, I remember that. I passed out water bottles. <laughs> I actually talked about that in a podcast with Bodelite on Ground Game. And I sent it to Empower LA. Nice. Um, because I talk about, I asked Bo if we could talk about that. Because it's Ground Game, right? And I thought it yes. would be, they've got listeners. And if at the beginning, we could catch them with like a little bit to talk to them about, hey, think about your, think about your neighborhood council. Like you don't even have to be on the council no just you go to a meeting just go to a meeting go to right? a committee meeting that's right? where most of the work gets done the monthly general How do they find board out meetings, about that um you know go to our websites our our instagram uh you know we we have a calendar invite and on each Facebook. neighborhood council has that each right? neighborhood council at the very least has a website okay with the calendar of events okay um if you go to the dunn website or the empower la website you can look up each neighborhood council individually um and you know get connected uh, is it empowerla.org? Right? Yes, it is. Yeah, empowerla.org. Shout out. Uh, I'm connected with them on social media. Uh, so Empower LA and the Congress of Neighborhoods for 2020 is really exciting. Um, look up your neighborhood council. And I believe there's like a whole mapping system on Empower LA's website where you can even look up. That's how I know the boundaries. Yes, yeah. Because I was like, oh, I think we're in – oh, we're not in justice. I still want to – when are y'all's meetings? Can you say that on yes, the podcast? Yes, uh, the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council meets on the third Monday of every month. Okay. January is pending because the third Monday is a holiday. Okay. Um, So we will have the meeting place date time on our Instagram okay. uh, probably within the next okay. week. Okay. So. Well, this may not air before that – holiday but uh so if there is a monday holiday though that is something since they meet on since you all meet on the third that does yes. happen sometimes yes it does so be Rarely, aware of but, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, follow them i love following them on social media east hollywood neighborhood council thank you jess you're rad thank you scott <laughs> this is so you cool. are awesome yeah i loved passing out water bottles that day and just all the all the people that i'm at and getting to know rachel better and reconnecting with you and seeing Lois Arkin and then going to that meeting and just the cool people that I met and just, you know, just that there's so many people that care. Yes. I feel like that's the most impactful thing about yeah. going to one of these things, getting to see that it's not only you, you know, that's being yeah. like the idealist, like, you know, I'm not the only number one right eyed yeah. person yeah. in the world. Yeah. I'm not the only one who's <laughs> wanting to engage There's people all over the city that are wanting to engage. And I feel like, that's where the real change in the city is going to happen. They're the ones that put pressure on city council about homelessness. Yes, yeah. Right. That, that is the main responsibility of the neighborhood yeah. council, you know, aside from yeah. meeting our neighbors and getting yeah. their needs uh, heard and hopefully met. Um, we are um, an advisory board to the city of LA. Yeah. That's really rad. Thank you, Jess. Thank you all for listening to real good stuff. Uh, thank you so much to empower LA and specifically uh, Giselle Maraquin. Yeah, yes. and the East Hollywood Neighborhood Council. Um, shout out, follow them on social media. Uh, check out the Congress of Neighborhoods for 2020. And thanks so much to A Million Drops, our nonprofit sponsor. Thank you as well to Sure Microphones for the impeccable sound quality. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye. This little light of mine.